Warning, we get super excited in this podcast. We may even drop a few S and F words. If you don't like to hear that thing, we're sorry, but not sorry. Maybe make sure no one is around that doesn't like those kind of words because I don't even know how many times we said them. Probably a lot. Enjoy. When I actually reflect on the word value, that is impactful change for the client. I have learned pretty quickly that what people pay me and what my prices are and what my services are aren't a reflection of the value necessarily and who I am as a person. And so if people don't want to pay my prices, they're not saying they don't like me. They're just saying that the service isn't right for them, etc. Thing, the podcast with Rachel and Sophia. We're all about helping biz owners who don't believe in cheat sheets. So today we're talking about pricing and payment. Is charging what you're worth a valuable measure? Are there formulas and systems we should be following? And why are we all so secretive about our pricing? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I couldn't help it. <laughs> this is a sticky, sensitive topic today. We are not the experts, but Rachel certainly has a few years under her belt preparing proposals, pricing. She loves putting her prices out there. That's her approach to business. I'm still getting to grips with this one, even though I am an accountant and maybe I should be nailing this, but I find it very difficult. And I think we are going to get into some of those issues on why I might be finding it so tricky to price myself and my services. So let's kick us off. What's with people saying charge your worth, Rach? I'm not a fan of this idea. I know you don't particularly like it. Talk us through what you've seen on the old interwebs around this one or even like networking events and stuff as well. I think it's a cop-out. Like I've worked with different people before, even, you know, different business coaches. And I think everyone wants to know what they should charge everyone wants to know what other people are charging and because everyone's so secretive which we can get into a little bit more in a sec no one's really quite sure and so often when I've asked people like just charge what you're worth babe you know whatever feels good for you and to me it's a cop-out because it instantly stops them from having to share any of their own thoughts insights knowledge pricing and put it straight back on the person I'm like that ain't helpful like that's what am I supposed to do with that and also I think it's a nice way for people to also be like, I have no fucking idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. No one, like no one really knows, right? The market, some people I know who are copywriters are charging 10 times the amount that I'm charging and some are charging like 10 times less. And there is like a standard and, you know, we can go into a bit more in a minute how we figure out our pricing. But most of the time, let's be honest, you can charge, you really can charge pretty much anything, okay. anything you want. Okay, so on that then, what do you think about actually displaying that price that you're coming up with? How's that reflected in your supposed self-worth? Shouldn't you be pushing back on saying, no, I'm not going to put my prices out there, I'm not going to tell you my prices? How do you respond to that idea? Um, obviously, I respect people. They don't want to share their prices, etc. I mean, it also comes down to what you've talked about, you know, your purpose, values, etc. For me... I have learned pretty quickly that 
what people pay me and what my prices are and what my services are aren't a reflection of the value necessarily and who I am as a person. And so if people don't want to pay my prices, they're not saying they don't like me. They're just saying that the service isn't right for them, etc. So it's actually about them and our relationships got nothing to do with me as a person. So I display mine because I like to be accessible. I like to be upfront, honest. That's who I am as a person and as a business owner. Also, I found that it stops people from doing the shop around thing necessarily. There's all my value and stuff there. And often I was getting lots of people, you know, inquiring, which is great. And all they want to know is how much I was worth. Like they weren't actually wanting to talk about what they'd get out of the package. They're just like, how much money is it? Oh, $4,000, can't afford it, see ya. And so I was like, well, if you want to self-select out, great. You're probably not the right people for me. And so putting it on there, I don't get those anymore. I honestly don't. Yeah. And then the women uh, who do want to work with me or, you know, some of my corporate clients, um, they actually want to have that conversation yeah. and they're not doing it based on price. They're seeing the price and the value and they're still wanting to talk. So for me, yeah. it's a bit of a qualifier. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, obviously, they're the people you want to work with are the people that realize, hey, OK, yes, I'm going to pay X, but think about the value and the money I'm going to actually make as a result of doing X. So it's actually quite a small investment if I look at over the next few years in my business what this is going to deliver for me so that's amazing and i think that's so smart to just okay you're out you're out of the sales funnel if you want to use that terminology Mm -hmm. you're not an ideal client bye but also i know what my prices are yeah so like why would i yeah my i don't know someone can maybe come back to me that psychology or maybe i'm a weirdo but to me it makes absolutely no sense not to put them there i know what they are so I'm not flip-flopping between what I offer, the value I create, what I know I, I can achieve for my clients, the timing. I know all of that stuff. So why wouldn't I just tell people? Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean that you can't still have a custom quote for unusual circumstances or of course. people that you feel fall outside of that. Corporate rates is a whole other matter. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that off air. But I think people get really caught up in wanting this extreme, like either it's completely one way or completely the other. So like I got a bit caught up in that. I felt like I need to like try and turn my services into a product for every scenario and have that displayed. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work either because that's totally overwhelming for the for the customer. Oh yeah. And for me for that matter. I couldn't possibly think up of every scenario and know how much time and effort and how long it was going to take me to think of a great idea, for example. And we'll get into yeah. that more in a sec about more on that value side of things. But by having that balance between, okay, here's some of the prices I can offer you for, you know, straightforward, run-of-the-mill, obviously amazing value, but like scenarios that I can price and then, mm-hmm. okay, anything outside of that, yeah, we're going to obviously have to talk more in depth about that and come up with a, a custom proposal or quote. There's nothing wrong with doing that. You can balance both and make that work for you. So I guess I would like to talk a little bit about that value pricing Point, but before we get into that, I want to cover the different options that are actually available for people and are commonly used. Rach, do you want to kick off talking about um, project pricing versus that hourly pricing piece and how you see that differing? Sure. Well, when most people start out, they do do hourly pricing. And I think it is good to have an hourly rate. So when I say hourly rate generally you can do a whole bunch of things to figure out you know like how much that cost per hour you can be you know based on roughly what you would get paid in a salary 
um, you know, if I was a communications manager, I'll be making about 100K so I can work that out, you know. Um, it's a rough hour. Then I could also add in things like, well, I need to pay my own super now that I'm a freelancer. I need to factor in things like six days, holidays, you know, how many days do I actually want to work in the year? Some of us crazy people want to work all day every day, so your hourly rate might be different. I take um, at least four to eight weeks off. A year plus I factor in sick days. So my hourly rate would be different um, based on also you can do it on experience level. Perhaps you're a junior, say, copywriter. I'm just going to use my um, my industry as, a, as an example. You know, so you might charge yourself slightly different based on experience. Um, then when you've got a few clients, been around, you know, the blocks a few times, you might increase that because you can deliver greater value. You've got your processes nutted out, etc. cetera. Um, then you can also need to factor things in like, your laptop, your phone bills, your like housing, transport, travel, insurance, um, insurance, yeah. training, branding, my website, you know, domain. I factor all of that stuff in. Um, and trust me, you'll get your hourly rate if you do this and you're like, oh my God. But that's actually the true value of running a business. So when you do an hourly rate and then you actually say to a client, I'm $250 an hour. Um, they're like, oh my God. So you realize quite quickly that hourly rates don't look very good for a client, in my opinion, although it should be counted as true. And then the other issue with hourly rates is that you can't always factor in everything. You know, you have to be really specific with what you can and can't do. And a lot of writers and other business owners I know started off with hourly rates and then were actually underpaying themselves because the more you do a thing or work with a client, you actually become quicker. And so you're like, well, it used to take me two hours to write a blog post. Sweet. Now it takes me 20 minutes. And so what, are you going to start charging the client only 20 minutes now? In fact, they should be paying you even more money because you know their product and them so well. So then most people will move to a project rate which takes into consideration hourly rate. I still have a rough idea of my hourly rate, etc. But the po- project rate starts to actually build in this value. So mm. what you can help the client achieve, um, you know, what they'll get to say if you're going to write, um, you know, I do a lot of proposals and they're going to get a large sum of money at the end of it. Um, you know, I can sort of factor in perhaps how much they'll get or how it makes their life easier, etc. So most people start off with hourly and then move to project and then that allows them to do more negotiations. So if a client comes back and says like, whoa, 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 that's way too high. I don't go, oh, I'll change my hourly rate. I go, cool. Well, I'm going to remove this large section of the project so we can match your um you know, your finances, but this means then we won't be able to achieve X. Yeah. You're reducing that value in line with your price. Yeah. 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 And then other things that, um, allow, you know, the pros of projects is that you can list all of the things you're going to do, but also I have non-negotiable sections, things I have to do within my process, you know, like thinking of ideas in the shower. Um, I have to do market research. I have to interview them. And so if a client tries to remove those elements, I say, no, and then I can explain why, and then I can also justify the reasons, the values, and the cost of the project. Again, unlike hourly rates. That is amazing advice, tips there. Actually, I'm going to write some of that down right now. That is write that down. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it might sound so obvious to you, but I think those little tips are, are what you learn from experience and having negative experiences with clients, unfortunately, and maybe feeling a bit ripped off. Yeah. 
Also on the flip side though, the beauty of value-based pricing or taking more of a project value price perspective, whatever you want to call it, is that you can actually deliver more value for the client. So instead of charging them, say, you know, potentially more based on an hourly rate, you're charging them based on a rate that is going to be matching the value that you can deliver to them. They could potentially get even more value than if they'd paid someone an hourly rate to do that job. Uh, And it gives you that flexibility to say, well, based on my experience, wisdom, whatever you want to call it, knowledge of this industry knowledge of this business i'm going to be able to produce a really valuable idea for them faster but on the flip side it's going to take me a bit longer they've only paid that set project price they're not going to get uh suddenly a sneaky bill for an extra couple of thousand dollars so it really is upfront, letting the client know how much they can expect it's allowing them to plan in their business and work out what they can afford as well which brings me to that piece on price creativity and allowing yourself to have these amazing ideas and how do you price them i know this comes up occasionally people often love to harp on about this when people are whinging about how much they have to pay a freelancer or an independent contractor They're like well you're paying for experience my great ideas what do you think about that is that true is that really what's going on or should we all just be charging this hourly rate and shutting up and saying well i've had 10 years so i should just charge this in the in the industry or whatever i think you do need a factor in time energy price for ideas and time to let your ideas brew and you know i always talk about this from writing and all the other work that i do with my clients even you know photographers accountants etc you know you do a thing and then you need to let it breathe for a little bit the human brain works like that so when again if we're doing hourly rates and we're like cool i've got one hour to smash this out and the client doesn't want to pay for an hour of revision or an hour of reflection you're not going to be able to achieve the things that they want to achieve. It's going to be more of a rush job. So I actually factor in a lot more of this creative time. So I think most freelancers and business owners are particularly good or get very savvy with, oh, I need to actually prep for the meeting. That's half an hour or an hour. And they start factoring that in. But then they don't factor in the time where they're cooking for their family and they're thinking about work. When they're chatting with a friend about a certain project, when, you know, they've looked at a video and gone down a bit of an internet hole, which is what I do with market research, and then be like, yes, that's exactly what I want. Um, those things need to be factored in as well. And I think it's harder for us to do that. And we feel like we can't justify Like, how can you justify I sat on the couch eating Pringles and watching Netflix for an hour, but then because of that, my subconscious figured it out because that's what I do, guys. And yeah, like, imagine if you were alley billing for that. <laughs> yeah, like right. And sometimes I've had a few clients be like, can you tell me exactly what you do? You know, that kind of stuff. Give me a timesheet. Yeah, and there, that's why I stay away from hourly and I factor that in. And a few clients have been upfront with us like, I did the thing you wanted me to do. I'm going to give it a day. I need actually some time to breathe. I'm going to go for a run or whatever. And I think the more that we talk about it and explain why we do this as business owners, the more our clients will see the value of that. Yeah, and trust us. Yeah. 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 So I literally like my best ideas happen in the shower when I'm going for a run or when I'm eating Pringles on the couch with Netflix. Yeah, I mean, I think people should be a little bit more respectful about the risk that freelancers take on and the risk that we take on running our own businesses and in a way, I don't want to say we've earned the right, but you know we've chosen this style and this approach to work because of benefits, obviously, to ourselves, not just for our customers. I know I harp on about delivering value to our customers, but part of a big reason I wanted to go out on my own is to be able to explore these amazing, valuable ideas that I feel I can offer. But those don't happen being chained to a desk 24-7, nope. nine to five or longer, pumping it out 
it's that's not how creativity and innovation work hell no and so you know if if i'm going to be completely blunt with how i um honest you know how i price that I factor in a certain amount of um, hours, which again, like I said, I do use an hourly rate as a base um, for this kind of stuff. So I like project, I need to achieve X, Y, and Z at six weeks. Um, at these different stages, I reckon I'll need an hour, hour and a half breathing room. And then what I do is I'm actually, I have an Excel spreadsheet because I'm boring and don't use much software. Um, and I write down how long I'm taking, not just on the project, which again, a lot of people do when they first start, you know, it took me 10 hours, sweet, you know, I'm charging, right? Oh, the copywriting took me eight hours, but I needed an additional two hours to figure out my shit, to get my ideas sorted or the research they gave me, I thought was good, but I started writing and I need to do additional research. So I actually break down the stages and then that again, helps me factor in these projects, um, the project things. And I'm always confident enough in my project rates and what I include and what I don't include and I'm very descriptive actually that um, I have started for larger projects now I um, got some balls and I've even started incorporating this creativity stuff where I actually say it and flesh out like creative ideas brainstorming time and I think more um, business owners need to start uh, doing this and it's it is scary but again I think if you feel like you can justify it and you need to be able to justify it in a way that feels right to you certain language depending on your industry etc you might have to call it something fancy and so you can get it across the line and also another tip which is you know slightly tangent but thinking about when you're creating these pro, uh, proposals when you're thinking about putting projects together pricing etc who is actually going to be reading this is it your you know, person, your contact, say for me, it might be a communications, you know, assistant or manager, or is it the actual director of the company who has no idea what creative brainstorming is necessarily, you know, what language should I use? And again, that will impact, I think, um, how your proposals, um, how your pricing packages, etc., come across and the confidence that you can have um, in explaining them. Yeah. Look, sales pitch, I almost feel like we need a whole nother oh, podcast yeah. on that. It's it's a real skill and art, <laughs> something I am definitely still working on. So we'll, we might leave some of that stuff. But, yeah, that is so important to be really clear on how you're going to price. So we've given you a few different ideas about my, what might work for you. But I think the number one factor that actually I'm hearing is having confidence. Yes. And so really understanding how you work, how you divide up your time. It's going to be different for each of us how then you're going to price that in a manner that is reflective of the value that you can actually deliver to your client. Not so much concentrating on, uh, okay, um, you know, I'm worth this or I my costs are X, so I'm just going to like mark that up by 10% or I've got a holiday next week, it's going to cost me three grand, so I better, scra- I better put out a proposal for three grand. It's, yeah, it's, it's much more than that and it's going to take effort and it's going to take practice, guys. Like, I, as I said, I've only been doing this in this style of business for just over a year and it's still really hard for me and I'm still trying out new things, testing new things and figuring it out. Rachel's been doing this for what, eight-ish years now? Yep. And I still sometimes cry into my coffee when I have to quote. It's the thing I, like I'm... I'm going to... Or come up with new packages. New packages and stuff like that, which I recently just did. I recently created new packages, which we can get into in a sec. For my business, um, it took me six months. Let's be honest, yeah. six months of thinking, brainstorming, pricing, market research, doubting myself, getting confidence, 
then changing my mind literally six months. Yeah. Look, I think we'll just jump into that and we, we're going to talk about discounting probably straight after that. Let's go to packaging because I think that's an awesome segue into it. So how did you first figure out that you wanted to change your packages? I guess it's really what interests me. Like, how did you go, oh, I'm sick of my current ones or whatever? <laughs> well, how about I take you back to why I started packaging in the first place? Please, yeah. Um, so when I started out, I did, was, you know, testing out clients and what I wanted to offer. So I used to do a bit more social posts. I don't anymore. It's just not my thing. Um, I used to then, you know, move to say including them in a bigger kind of packages, proposals, and then I even drop them all together. So like working, actually working in socials rather than... Yeah, yeah. yeah like I was just writing social copy and stuff. I oh, mean, I okay, used to be yeah. a social media manager, so yeah. I know all about digital marketing and copy for that. Um, yeah, was quite good at that. So yeah, at the start, I was kind of doing more, which which makes sense. Yeah, you know, different proposals, different packages, services for different clients, um, you know, to backstep even more, I have a few different types of clients. I have small business owners that used to just be, um, you know, anywhere from HR companies to like a photographer, um, men and women. And now I focus solely on helping um, women, women in business. And I also have my corporate clients. And I used to do a whole bunch of stuff. I used to work for corporate clients, you know, selling garden hoses all the way through to, um, you know, the World Bank, etc. And now I've also um, niched in a little bit more. So I only work with health, education, um, business style um, clients now. And so, yeah, I was just doing all of the things. I was tired. It was taking too long. I was getting frustrated when people were wanting to change things, etc. I was mm. flip-flopping. But after a while, I started to realize what I was really um, good at. Yeah, what can, I, I, can I just jump in there and yeah. ask a clarifying one? So I think people are often told you to niche down, niche down straight away, find your niche, blah, blah, blah. Would you – I mean, this is not exactly related to this mm. podcast, but I'd love to know. Away. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Would you change your approach to that? Like – are you happy that it took you longer to find no. your niches? Yeah. Three years full, since I've been full-time. I said with three years I had to figure out, you know, what the hell I was doing. I love that. It's so realistic and refreshing. Uh, three years, people. That's not to say that I was going from offering communication and marketing services to being a VA to, like, pumping petrol or something. <laughs> like, I was not flip-flopping that much, but I was flip-flopping within my area of expertise, yeah, with in my industry. And the same with my clients. I would literally take not just any client, but any clients that interest me always doing something cool and I would like to work with. And then I just started um, niching down um, recently. So the reason why I started packaging up my stuff is because people kept on coming to me after a while, the same types of organizations wanting the same type of thing. And I was like, oh, I'm onto something here. So I started to be like, they're seeing me in the industry to do these things. So I decided to start packaging them up. So first I had like a blogging package called the Fabulous Blog Bundle, which I still get asked to do, which is like blogging kind of stuff. And I still enjoyed blogging at that stage. I had one that's actually was called Unique Advantage, but it was more about just stalking people on um online helping them with their digital marketing kind of profiles which makes sense and then I had um, instant clarity which I still have in the way it is now where people just come to me for random help and advice and I would put together an action plan for them and then over time I got sick of writing blog posts let's be honest Um, and I wanted to do more strategic high level strategy and I was doing more workshops and training and women were coming to me wanting more high level deeper longer kind of term work and so a lot of the projects and packages I was doing were only like 24 hours, a couple of hours. And the reason why I also did those working with my small business clients 
is because I was taking on large corporate clients and I wanted to continue to do that and it allowed me to balance both those clients and diversify my income, which we can talk about more in another pod. So, I mean, that's why I just decided yeah, to start huge, packaging them up. Yeah, there's a huge amount of planning and strategy has gone into that thought. It wasn't just like, yep. oh, this seems like a great idea. We have three packages I can come up with and them cool names. Yeah. Oh God, I love pack, like creating package names. It's like the jam. But um, yeah. So then recently, was that sarcasm? Or you... No, no, I'm actually legit. <laughs> like I, sp- do you know how long I spent coming up with my freaking package names? Can people go to my website and tell me that they're good, please? Because I spend so much time on them. Um, no, it's a marketing branding thing. And also, can I just throw in there? I decided to package up my services. Um, and you know be really strategic and kind of start niching down why because i tell my clients to do that so how can i be flip-flopping around yet telling my clients that they're going to need to do these things yeah and we know that it makes sense the evidence shows that it's the way to go so let's do it yeah so does that answer your question i feel like i just crapped on for half an hour no i loved it i loved it i mean we you covered off you know what to offer too much too too little um, maybe just give us a, an example of where you feel like you have offered maybe too much or too little. Just flesh that out a bit for for the listeners. Yeah, well, I mean, Instant Clarity, it's um, sort of a business coaching, marketing coaching package. So a lot of women were are transitioning from working full-time into a freelance or a small business um, or that they've been in business for a while but things just aren't working out particularly well. So say they're not getting enough clients or they're not sure about what to include in their marketing strategy and not getting the attention they want, etc. So they'll come to me and they either have one major problem or a couple depending on um, how long we're going to work together and I help them unpack that. So both from like a personal um, mindset perspective and like a strategy perspective. And then I put together an action plan 12-week action plan with templates, cheat sheets, steps, resources. And I used to chuck in a whole bunch of stuff because I'm nice. Um, and you thought they wanted it too. And, and they said they wanted it. Yeah. And then they would come back to me and be like, oh, my God, this is amazing, but holy shit, I don't. Like, I would then overwhelm them. So yeah. I was giving them confidence and clarity, and then I was overwhelming them at the end. So I actually had to dial back, in my opinion, value and really just focusing on that one problem so you know i normally do i think it's normally like 20 to 25 pages of stuff don't worry it's templates not me crapping on um and i started dialing it back to like 12 15 and then saying if you want to work with me more you can do the three hour one or come back to me again and that has worked so well so i was overwhelming them with value or stuff and we've got to remember not everyone I mean, I can't either. Taking all of that information, you're just like, oh, shit, Rachel's made me doing 50 things in 12 mm. weeks. Um, they should do that. I'm not going to say that they shouldn't, but dialing that back. And then a few times, um, look, to be honest, recently I just changed some prices on some other packages because um, I, again, decided that I was overwhelming some clients and I think they should do certain things and they were choosing not to for whatever reason, so I ch- changed that up. And I guess a time when I've like under kind of I don't think I've ever really done that yeah maybe with some corporate clients I mean everyone's been quite happy um pat on the back to me I've never had a, anyone come back to me and say like, oh you didn't give me what you yeah you said you were going to yeah I think I think I overdo it yeah I think that's normal I think that's actually what tends to happen we might feel like we're not delivering enough but in actual fact we're probably never charging enough and we're giving away too much hmm. I just want to touch on the definition of value here because I think that's a really important point around you know giving people all the things to me, value is not about necessarily yeah, giving all the things, giving extra things, which I'm totally guilty of, by the way. But when I actually reflect on the word value, 
that is impactful change for the client in their business, whatever that looks like. So for example, if we say, okay, I give them 20 templates, does that deliver impactful value for that particular client? If they end up overwhelmed and they don't take action? No, it doesn't. If I give them one amazing template that resonates, I've taken the time to understand them. Um, We're crapping on about templates, by the way. We're not... We're actually not a fan of templates, really. Uh, or well, cheat not sheets. Not cheat sheets. Or, yeah. But I do have templates. I'm yeah. actually a fan of them. Yeah. 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 But not the, uh, you know, 10-step guide to solving yeah, no, problems. Sorry, I'm not getting that. But, uh, yeah, if, if you give them something that actually is going to help them and help them make a change in their business and you've taken the time to understand them and all of those good things, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about delivering value. So don't think – don't write a list of all the junk you can – palm off to someone and think you're doing a great job that's that's not delivering value and you shouldn't be trying to price on that basis either yeah and i mean for you like what have you struggled with the most to give a kind of you know i'm a bit longer in my journey so like i said you know i'm stressing about packaging up services and package names but that's not what most of us are thinking about and i certainly wasn't thinking about it at the start so what do you kind of struggle with or what are you focusing on yeah, for me, working out that whole worth piece and mm. trying to whether I, how I feel a bit comfortable with using those that sort of language and looking at it from that perspective, shifting to should I be charging an hourly rate or not? Mm-hmm. People were actually asking me for an hourly rate, but they didn't really want an hourly rate. It was just that that's yeah, what they were used that. to. Well, it's, it's familiar mm. and they think it's safe. They think like, okay, I'm just going to pay this person X hours and I'm going to get what I want. But unfortunately, we know it doesn't work that way. So, yeah, struggling with that and then trying to learn about value-based pricing and packaging up services and working about working out what my clients actually needed from me. Um, but the it just takes practice. So getting better and better at it. Um, struggled with being maybe new on the, on the block in terms of like the click and all of that sort of stuff and then understanding how I fit it in with that and being competitive. And, yeah, again, it's just practice talking to people a big tip I would have is if you're going to talk to other people in business, particularly if they're in a similar industry to you, be a little bit cautious. Like use your savvy, normal human skill set to work out whether you want to chat to them about prices because unfortunately there are a few people out there that just want to kind of steal your ideas and maybe uh, undercut you. So yeah, I would be a little bit cautious around how much information you give away in some scenarios. Obviously, Rachel's talked about you know, it's fine to be upfront with your pricing and have that online, but sometimes you're going to have information that you do need to keep closer to your chest that really is no one else's business. And you want to really only be talking about that. Yeah. With, with your business besties, with those people you really trust, you're helping each other out. So for example, if I had someone come to me that I felt was a competitor and wanted to know all about my prices, but wasn't prepared to share the same sort of information, then obviously I'm not, I'm not going to share any of that. Uh, basically it's intellectual property of mine I don't I don't want them knowing about that so that's one little tip if you're new on the scene just watch for that because yeah unfortunately there's a few sharks in the water yeah definitely I mean I've never had um that problem and I just again I'm just like whatevs here are my prices but I don't share my hourly rate necessarily or how I came up with my um prices so I think it's a good thing but also I wanted to get your opinion opinion plus put it out there you know when we're doing competitor research or market research which we should be doing we can talk about that in another pod Mm. um to also be mindful when you see people's prices at you know as a competitor like i look at other copywriters and you need to do that and i was like well what are they charging what value do i think you know externally that they're creating etc to also keep in mind again you don't know their lifestyle you don't know if 
you know, they've got like investment properties and getting money that way. Because sometimes we can really judge each other and ourselves and we can't put too much emphasis on other people's pricing to a degree. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean they're selling either. You know, True. People can be putting up really high prices or really low prices. We don't know if anyone's actually buying their service or product. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, be really cautious. It is important to do that research. It's just one small piece of that pricing puzzle. Yeah, because a lot of my clients come to me and they say, well, all the other photographers are charging $500. Should I do that? And I was like, well, are they award-winning photographers that have done blah, 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 who specialize? No, well... You could maybe be charging something different. I'm not sure, but you know, you shouldn't just look around and be like, "Well, they're charging 2.95, so I'll charge 2.75 to hope to get more, or I'll charge 325 because I'm worth it and I want to look more premium." It doesn't work like that. And I guess you know that gets me on to a question I want to ask you, Sophia. Um, you know, do you think you should keep prices low and get more clients, or charge more and work with less people? Because that's something that I've been thinking about mm. and I know that it's starting to be a question that we're getting asked a lot. Yeah, so look, I'm not really a fan of any kind of simplistic formula, which I believe is this is really. Yeah. And it's easy to put out there and say, okay, well, I'm going to have lower prices and, and bring people in. There's, you know, like anyone who understands some economics and, you know, supply and demand and different pricing strategies that are out there, you can Google all this great stuff. There's lots of YouTube videos knows that it really depends on the product or service that you're offering. So there's no point having a luxury good and thinking I'm going to charge a low price and presume I'm going to sell more of it. It does Mm. not work like that. In fact, it would do the opposite. So you've got to be very cautious with these sorts of, I guess, sayings really. Um, But as a general kind of concept, I guess, I'm okay with it depending on the service you're offering. So if it fits with, say... Say in your industry, you want to slightly undercut someone, for example, to get more business. Okay, maybe in the short term, great idea, you get business through the door. In the long term, will that pay off? Any kind of price-based, comp- like if you're just trying to like compete based on price, mm, not a fan. Long term, that's massive risk, I would have put. And then, yeah, charging work and w- charging more and working with less people Sometimes, But again, you actually might end up attracting more people because they go, hey, this person's charging more. They must be great. So, yeah, unfortunately, I don't think it actually in practice works very well, particularly not in the long term. What's your experience, though, with it, Rachel? Have you found it helpful in some instances to kind of take this strategy on board? Yeah, well, you know, instant clarity. Um, again, I'm going to be really honest here. The one-hour package, in my opinion, is low. The what I charge, I could be charging way more. I keep it low because I recently moved to the more approach where I was charging slightly more, having more what I call premium products to work with women who aren't necessarily starting out, who are actually kind of in the trenches like me because that was a business decision. I want to do, again, more deep, meaningful work. But then in saying that, I still want to work with clients and help women who are just starting out who I believe in some ways need more help than um, anyone else and that I think that they personally deserve as much help and value and support Mm. as any other large established business or brand. So for me personally, I keep my prices lower and I do a lot of one hour instant clarity packages instant clarity is still my best selling um, package and has been for about three years now 
Um, love doing it. You know, I've had to restrict, like I said, how much information I give away and do encourage others, you know, once they've done the program to come back or jump on, um, you know, follow through with some other programs. But yeah, I've kept them low and that ties in again to who I am as a business and what I'm trying to achieve because yeah. I can't give away, pick my brains, have a coffee stuff anymore. I just can't. People ask me to and I feel like I'm giving enough free value on all the other stuff. So this is the best way that I can give them really specific qualified advice they can use and yeah now i um have less clients come through for unique advantage and my um four-month coaching and marketing program and the reason why i want to do that again is because i want to deeper meaningful work and i was overworked so i got to a point in my business i had to choose do i want to hire someone else have more you know heaps more clients and make money that way or i don't want to scale it back and i just want it to be me and still have freedom to do other creative projects such as this podcast and writing my book etc so i think that you know these sayings are great for prompting thought yeah but you can see from what i've just answered like a whole bunch of strategy and like i said six months guys yeah. six months yeah to work this shit out yeah so way too simplistic these sorts of sayings Rach hasn't kept her prices low as such. She's kept an accessible price because she loves working with clients. But trust me when I say that she will be making sure that it's worth her while still doing that because if she can't afford to be in business, she can't help anyone. So it's yeah. not like you don't want to be undercutting and underselling yourself because then you're not going to be around to actually make a difference. You're doing your customer a favor by charging a fair rate. That means that you can continue to grow and improve your skills and be available in business to make a difference. So you don't need to feel bad about charging. I'm going to use air quotes here. You can't see them, obviously. Your worth, if you want to put in that terminology now, uh, because that's what being in business is all about. You have to charge a fair amount. Yeah. So what do you think about discounting and payment plans then? Because again, I get asked these questions all the time and there are so many blogs you can read that are like, don't do it. And some people are like, I always do it. So Mm -hmm. what do you think? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm still on the fence a bit about this one. I think discounting is really a marketing strategy. So this yep. is where your some of your uh, expert advice is going to come in. But I think it's really playing into the psychology. And for me, the more I think about it, I think sometimes we need a little discount or a little offer to give us that kick in the bum to take action. So again, we're actually doing our clients a favor by offering a discount, not by the money they're saving, because I don't actually feel that's where the value, they're not getting the value from that. They're actually getting the value from the kick in the bum to get started, to actually then start working with you. And that's where they're getting the value by taking action sooner. That's how I look at discounting, particularly for services and particularly for some of these packaged um, service offerings we're seeing. Yeah. How about you, Rach? Thoughts? Yeah, I totally agree. So I use it as a marketing strategy. Um, I offer, I don't discount any other time, but I offer two flash sales a year, sometimes only one time a year. I do the end of financial year, which is, I'm actually going to be doing this in a couple of days. And I offer one for my birthday every year. Um, my birthday is first of December, so around that time. Um, yeah, you can get my services uh, for 24 hours only at 30% off across all of them, which is crazy. Some people are like, holy crap, why do you do it? And I was like, yep, it happens once a year. I do get a lot of clients. I get a lot of people asking questions. So it's good. It gets a lot of um, traffic. And again, it works in with my belief. Um, some people, again, really want to do these packages. But like you said, so would have to wait six mm. months. And I think they actually need to kick up the butt and to get started now to see the success they want. And so as an example, I'm working with um, a photographer now and she'd been looking at this for ages and mm. she was trying to 
um, you know, save up. And then for Unique Advantage, this is my website sales marketing um, package. She got it on the discount. She'd never even met me, didn't know anything about me, heard about me through a friend because my um, community is lovely and shares it. And literally within five minutes of the phone, she's like, sign me up. This is exactly what I needed. This is the prompt. And she's been an amazing client and has seen success and has actually said, you know, like you said, it was the push that she needed. Um, you know, and I think you have to also, again, like you are saying, I can't do all these discounts and sales all the time because it can take away from, you know, the like the products that I've created. And I know a lot of people do regular discounts, you know, 5% or whatever. I do 30 two times a year. It creates scarcity, prompting, et cetera, because I only take on a few people. And sometimes they still come on board and have to wait two months if I've got a few. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great uh, approach. And I guess, yeah, don't do it too much because some of us discount all the time and then if you're having to discount every time to get someone to work with you it doesn't look very good either yeah i mean to me it indicates that there's bigger issues going on with your marketing in general your service offering the value that you're demonstrating all sorts of things a discount is not going to solve your problems again it's not a quick fix and in actual fact it's just one marketing strategy to get people that kick up the bum idea you could do something else you could actually add it instead of discounting you could add a bonus which i've done and i do do. yeah Yeah. so how did you settle on rates the 30 percent discount this time around i like the number 30 i have no idea well i'm sure there's strategy behind it i know a lot of people do 10 and 15 Mm percent I have quite premium products and I, to be honest, I looked at it, I was like, well, what's the lowest price that I would be willing to do? So when I do these discounted prices, I lose profit. Mm. So it's not, I'm still getting paid. So that's actually, you know, a strategy too. I'm not losing money as in the sense, you know, it's so discounted, but I've got the client, yay. But then I've lost money. Um, I removed my profit. So I looked at it and said, well, how much profit do I think I can remove? You know, what am I willing to do this for? Can I still offer value? You know, will I hate them for it three weeks in? Because I was like, oh, I've like discounted, you know, doing what I want because that's trouble too. Um, And yeah, you know, I'm honest, profit. We should be talking about profit and we'll talk a bit more about that. And I think in our money pod, but yeah, so that's how I came up to 30%. And again, because it's a flash sale, it's not ongoing. So people have a week to decide or to be honest, it's not like I get like 50 people signing up and I'm like, damn, <laughs> I get normally between three and 10. Yeah, who have been waiting in the trenches, you know, waiting for a discount. Um, or like I said, who've never heard of me before, normally jump on the offer. So yeah, I'm happy to do that. That's why 30%. I'm sure there's more business decisions, but I can't think of them right now. Oh, thank you, Rach. Yeah, no, that's... Uh... Thank you for sharing something that's probably quite intuitive to you these days. But uh, yeah, I think that that's really interesting and something I've got to figure out myself. Maybe so. I just gave away my IP. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> my, my business <laughs> thoughts. Yeah. So look, I'm gonna I'm gonna start us off talking about the old getting paid piece from mm. pricing. This does relate a bit probably to our money kind of podcast that we'll go into a bit of detail, but I think it's an interesting one to talk about in the pricing space because it's probably a consideration too. If you are doing payment plans, for example, how then do you price? How that then impacts how you're going to actually work with the client as a result too? Do you stop work if they haven't met a certain, you know, paid a price at a certain point? All that sort of stuff. For me, I've been very lucky so far. The clients that have come on board are generally pay up front 
or we do a payment plan based on the, the stage and the work that we're at. Uh, and I make sure that obviously the contract reflects that and it's all very transparent. But Rach, have your, you've had a bit more time obviously, so you might mm. have maybe some not so shiny stories for us and how you manage collecting payment and using payment plans. Well, I have amazing clients, but I'm also very upfront about how much things cost. You know, it's on my website, processes of when payments are due, when I expect them, my seven days, um, when you have to pay me within. And recently I've even um, added on for a few of my corporate clients, if you don't pay me with seven days, you start uh, having to pay me additional monies for late payment, which I hadn't done um, before, but I had a few clients push it a little bit too far for me. So I think, yeah, I've been quite lucky, but you need to be upfront and people are so afraid to do that, like you've talked about it. And I think you're actually doing the client a disservice by making it all wishy-washy and feel yeah. weird. I am so upfront. I was like, so this is how much it costs. This is when I expect it. So I always get, um, if it's over $1,000, um, 50% upfront, 50% on completion or 50% in the middle now, because I have had a few clients, corporate and small business, you know, you're doing a website, it's meant to take six weeks. Four months later, they're still going on and, you know, we can talk about that in another pod about client management, but um, I'm still waiting for like my 3K and $3,000 is, you know, not to be laughed at, you know, might have like health things I need to do. I've had to go on holiday and I was like, where the hell is my money and having to wait. And because of my terms and conditions, it said when we finished, well, how do I enforce that? And so now I've actually started to say in the middle. Yeah. And even if you look at my website, um, you know, a lot of people again is a marketing strategy they say if you pay all up front you can get a discount versus if you do payment plans i don't personally agree with that i think that prevents some of my female clients the people that um i want to work with from participating yeah and so i actually again think it's it's good for the business owner like good for me i'd love to have everyone drop 5k all the time straight up but i don't actually think that's fair for a lot of business owners and their cash flow so there's other strategies and yeah. so that's why I do payment plans yeah and I mean there's no no reason to mean and I mean you may have already done this like um, maybe doing that with your corporate clients who love a discount for upfront payment for example you know they might have that cash reset aside in their budget ready to go so that could be and that and that's the important consideration everyone is that you know you do need to price based on client types and have different structures there as well yep. in terms of your terms and conditions because if you are working with different client types they are going to have different needs and requirements and how they can pay for you you know, some might need up to 30 days to pay or longer. Most do. Yeah. My clients do. I yeah. couldn't, I could ask them to pay me seven days and they would laugh in my face. Yeah. And so hence why my small business clients, I've packaged them up the way they are and that's what I sell on my website. But I have completely different package plans, money, contracts, etc., which I don't display anywhere. That is completely different from yeah. my corporate clients. Yeah. So if someone's contacted you, say, about a package, they're keen to go ahead. Mm-hmm. For some reason, they've missed the price or you don't doesn't seem like maybe they're clear on the price or maybe you're doing a custom quote and you're talking to them in person or over the phone. At what yep. point do you reiterate or remind or bring up price? Is it at the start of the conversation, the end, middle, multiple points in the conversation? Multiple points. So um, I will talk about, find out who they are, what their needs are, talk a bit about me. Then I'll talk a bit about what the package or service will help them achieve. Then I ask them if they have any questions at that stage. 
then we go on to talking about um, the process. So I always say, look, I'm just going to take a few moments to explain how we might work together and the way I work so you have a clear idea what's expected of you and how I'm going to do this and what you can expect from me. And then roughly around that's when I start talking about price and payment terms, etc. And at each point throughout the conversation, I ask whether there are any questions or you know does this sound okay so at each time it's kind of like a verbal contract like mm. i'm getting them to you know each time they're saying yes 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 um again contracts it's got all of that in there i've also got an hourly rate that sits for anything outside of the project my hourly rate starts at x and they'll have to pay additional so if they come back to me and do that which again i think we should need we need to do a pod on client management because this starts to get um, down there but yeah it's kind of like these verbal contracts you need mm. it written down though please and they need to sign some stuff but verbal contracts yep. and so when they come back to me if they have you're like oh so when is that second payment due I always be like I've always said at the second after our second call which is coming up in seven days which means you have 14 days will be due on Friday the 15th of blah 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 so I'm always really upfront with that although like I said I rarely even get those these days they just pay and are really happy that they're told when to do things and get it done. Yeah, you're removing that wishy-washy confusion for them. You're starting off the conversation by saying, you know, hey, Sally, I'm so happy we're talking about my XYZ package, which costs $300. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it, blah, blah, blah. Halfway through the conversation pops up again. End of the conversation, yep, $300, blah, 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 blah. You talk about anything else like payment plans, done. Doesn't need to be a fearful conversation for either of you. Uh, you're coming into it with confidence and you're coming in with experience having practiced it too. So I think be realistic that maybe your first few pricing conversations are going to be nerve-wracking, but go in prepared as you can, back yourself and what's the worst that can happen? You don't get the client? Well, hey, realistically, you're probably not going to get your first few clients, so don't yeah. even worry about it. Yeah, and I think my clients are amazing, I think, because I show up and I'm quite honest and open about money and the way things work. And I, you know, it might sound like a bit of a hard ass. I'm not sure, you know, you can do this and you can't do that. But I'm actually quite flexible too. Like I'll send an invoice and clients will say, actually, I'm waiting on a payment. Someone hasn't paid me or my kids just, you know, needs to like go into childcare so I can finish off this thing. Can I have an additional three days? And you never hear me be crack the whip where I'm like, yeah, sure, man, take whatever, like whatever time you need. But because I've been honest and upfront, they feel comfortable to be honest upfront. And we always have these kind of really nice, friendly conversations with money like no one's feeling awkward or stressed I mean maybe they are they don't seem to be they're just mm. like hey Rach would you mind or I'll pay you because I need proof of payment too if we're doing quite a quick package so they take screenshots or something showing payment and they're happy to do that because I say I don't do any work until there's proof of payment or it hits my bank account yeah yeah so with that giving building in a bit of leeway and being understanding and reasonable which I think is fantastic by the way how do you though set boundaries around you know okay you're just taking the piss now you really need to pay me what do you have some thresholds there or gut feels that you use to kind of you know alarm bell oh okay no actually I don't think I can give this person an extension how do you work with that um I stop work so if a client can't pay the invoice the work stops I don't do anything yep like nothing yeah um and even if they you know keep sending me emails want to do stuff it's very like brief like i make it very clear i will not do anything until the payment um, hits my bank account and i'm still you know i understand thank you for telling me all that kind of stuff um to be honest small business clients are great and because a lot of the packages they pay up front and so then if they take too long and like i said i've got other ones are stage pay payments so yeah if they don't pay it we 
don't do the work. I've yeah. even cancelled meetings. So I just said, I'm, I'm, we're not having our meeting until payment is um, made. Corporate clients, um, which I don't think is relevant to this conversation, but is a whole other ball game. Yeah, because yeah, they have different rules, etc. But I do legally own the copy until all payment is made for both small business and corporate. And I have the illegal kind of rights to stop work, take my copy back, etc. It's never come to that. And um, you know that's why I have my legal contract and stuff. But I recommend again getting something simple for you because you feel I feel so much more confident saying this mm. stuff. Like yes, I've like said it a million times. It's on my pretty websites and you know my emails. But I'm like, hey, the contract you've got your fax signature on. Remember, and I'll sometimes forward it to them. This is the thing, and um, you know I just have to use some firm language. But I'm pretty lucky. I think mm. I haven't really had too many bad experiences compared to lots of my clients. And most people I know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We will link through to some resources. Uh, for example, many people have probably heard of Implementing Value Pricing by Ronald J. Baker. That's a, quite a famous book. Uh, there's also lots of books books around pitching. So we'll link through to some of those. Rach also has some great information that we'll put through. So there's plenty more reading that you can do to prepare yourself for these conversations. And you know what? If you maybe you did drama at school or you just love role playing (laughs) oh yeah and an actual fact if you hate it probably more reason to do Mm -hmm. it is sit in front of the mirror and practice these pricing conversations practice worst case scenarios um so that when you go into these situations you are more prepared and professional ready to go and you're giving your client think of it again in terms of delivering value to your client you're giving them the best opportunity to work with you and you're going to be able to deliver a great job for them so isn't that the aim of the game Hell yes. Help them help themselves by paying you. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And if you're not sure or, you know, don't feel confident, reach out to like one of us or like another person, another peer, like Sophia said that you trust and be like, can I practice my sales pitch on you? Or do you think that this pricing feels right? Am I making it overcomplicated? Am I giving too much away? And they don't even have to be in the same industry or sector most of us and people we care about you can be like wow no I know the value you add Rachel that's like way too much and you know I did that recently and you know Soph and I help each other out so I think it's okay with close-knit people um, to share stuff and that's how you improve because it it is a bit hard there are a lot of secrets love behind closed doors but until we start as business owners being honest and open and helping each other I think as an industry we're going to suffer with late payments clients taking the piss you know, people having to go through legal means to get, you know, a couple thousand dollars, all of that kind of stuff. We really put the industry and the work we do at a dis- disadvantage when we're not upfront about money, products, services, and the value that we bring. Amazing. So are we ready to sum up with our practical tips on pricing and payment? <sighs> yeah. What are your top takeaways from this pod that you'd like to share? I really like that piece around the emotional self connection with pricing, your worth stuff. I think, yeah, that's messy. So try and avoid connecting too much yourself to how you're pricing. Yes, you are your business and so on and so forth, but it is two different things in terms of pricing and that value that you can deliver recognizing that there are different ways to price and no one is right or wrong you just have to figure out what works for you you might want to start with an hourly rate you might want to go straight to value-based pricing because you're more comfortable with that and the way that that works 
And packaging services, it may take practice and time, years, for example, to get it right. And uh, it might be okay to still offer custom quoting if you want to have some prices up front. You can have a mix of both. Rach, what were your sort of key takeaways today? I think for me, the things that I've learnt, and I maybe wish I learnt them a bit earlier, really is about packaging up your services. So when I say packaging up, I mean, like I said, getting together all your similar processes, procedures, etc., and knowing that they're something that you have to do, and then you can have a few add-ons. You know, you don't have to do fancy names and stuff like I do, but actually knowing what the bulk of the work you're going to do, um, sticking to it, because that means you can then create value, but it to me, it means that you can easily create more pricing structures. You know when you can discount, how much you can discount. You know how to sell it. You know how to talk to your client about it. I think if you're still in the wishy-washy stages yourself and you're not sure, it makes it really hard for your clients to be sure. And the thing that I've learned and the biggest takeaway for me is that the more open, honest and straight up I am with my clients, the better the project goes, the client, the happier my clients are. And you know what? The happier I am. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely going to feel more comfortable about saying how much I, my packages are, my alley rates are after this conversation today. It's not a dirty word to talk about price. Mm-hmm. Money shouldn't be shameful. It shouldn't be a fearful topic. It's just, unfor- I mean, it's the way our society works. So better embrace it and start concentrating more on the work we can do and the value we can add rather than getting some cash to do it so annoying yeah we all got an eight yeah yeah we done we're done bye bye